the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage for real fans. Get detailed coverage of every trade, every free agent signing, and all the storylines of all your favorite teams, as well as expert analysis from Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, and dozens more of your favorite national writers. Join today, get 40% off your 2020 subscription by visiting theathletic.com slash spottrack 40 off. That's theathletic.com slash S-P-O-T-R-A-C 40 off. Good morning. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy New Year to all of you. Thanks for listening, as always, to the Spot Track Podcast. We're going to bounce around a little bit today. Just a bit of a recap of the MLB free agency. We've had a couple of smaller signings that have brought the numbers up a little bit. We'll see what those numbers are, where we might be going, um, and talk a little bit more baseball from there. Then we're going to switch gears to football because it's playoff time. We're going to look into the 12 teams that made the postseason, how they spent their money in 2019, what it looks like in 2020, a couple of tidbits to go with that. Then we're going to bring in Scott Allen, the other piece of our spot track puzzle. For a little fun uh, exercise, we have a a NFL fantasy postseason contest running. We do this every year. Um, we do a few of these contests every year f- across the various sports. We've got the NFL playoff one running right now. It's free. Um, just go to spotchart.com slash fantasy and create a free roster. Basically, it's a 12-person roster, one player from each of these playoff teams uh, using the real salary caps. The lower the cap and the higher the points, that calculation equals a good team. So that's how it's going to work out. We'll give away $250 of cash prizes at the end of, after the Super Bowl. Um, so go ahead. We're, gonna, we're actually going to pick our team live on this show today, Scott and I. We're going to kind of figure out who's got the best value at each position from each team and sort of figure out how we think the teams should be picked. Uh, we know many of you have already done this. If you haven't, hop on to spotchart.com slash fantasy, do it along with us, and we'll uh, see how it goes after the Super Bowl. All right, let's get going. Let's dive into Major League Baseball just quickly here. Not too much this past week with the new year and the holiday and many of the pieces already uh, fallen in baseball, but there are a few left and where things stand right now, baseball free agency has already approached $1.8 billion. It's just under $1.8 billion right now after a couple of signings in Minnesota this past week. Uh, all, all last offseason, the entire 2019 offseason was $1.081 billion in combined contracts. And that's not, that's nothing to slouch at because you had Harper and Machado and a couple of monster deals in there. Um, obviously that doesn't include Mike Trout's extension because that was, a, that was an extension that a free agent signing, but you did have some big deals. Uh, this is just a more impactful off season. There were, there were bigger names available. They were pitchers and teams are willing to throw the money out there as we've said multiple times. So uh, this is going to be a big year. You've still got Josh Donaldson left. You've still got Marcelo Zuna left. Uh, Nick Nick Castellanos is going to get a decent chunk of change. Uh, this thing's going, probably going to approach $2 billion when it's all said and done, if I had to guess. I think Donaldson will get himself a, uh, a sizable deal that will push these numbers forward a little more. So keep an eye on that. We're, we're approaching the $2 billion mark in MLB free agency. When we get there, we'll talk about it. Uh, but look, there's a there's some decent names left in the free agent pool, but I think if I had to guess where we are in, in the baseball offseason, we're probably in the trade portion of things. Um, I'm going to expect this week forward to really ramp up in terms of trade talks. I think if the, the Indians are probably 
looking for you know their last offers for their big packages of Francisco Lindor, Mike Clevenger, maybe a couple of more pieces there. But um, this isn't going to drag out too much longer with those kind of players. I, I think the same thing goes for Mookie Betts. Uh, I do think Boston's going to be active here, though, whether it's David Price, whether it's Jackie Bradley Jr. I, the Red Sox have to be I think they have to make probably at least one big move here, one swing to you know clear more payroll and just shake things up a little bit. The Yankees have done a nice job of not standing still. They have a nice roster. I mean, we know we know what they have in their youth. Uh, I do think the Yankees aren't done here, folks. I think Jay Happ is probably going somewhere, and I know Toronto wants him back. I think they're trying like hell to get rid of Giancarlo Stanton's contract whether that means they have to give a couple of kids a way to go. Um, we'll see. I, 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 do, I don't think the Yankees are done. I, and I don't think the Red Sox are just going to stand still either. Arizona has made some really nice signings. Um, does that mean, mean they don't trade Robbie Ray? I don't know. Uh, they might be pushing all in here. We'll see. But he's certainly a piece that could go. And then Chris Bryant in Chicago. I, I think whoever misses out on Josh Donaldson is probably in the Chris Bryant conversation. So there's probably a an A-B factor there, a cause and effect to come with Donaldson signing wherever that lands. And then for me, the big story is Colorado because this Nolan Arenado trade stuff isn't going away. In, fa- in fact, it's it's escalating. There's more teams involved than I think we anticipated. And oh, by the way, I think Charlie Blackman's on the trade block too. So those are two just powerhouse hitters I mean, Blackman's more on the backside of his career, so he's not going to be, you know, a massive haul. But I guess it's possible those two are linked together, Arenado and Blackman, in one blockbuster deal. And if that's Texas, look out, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Because Texas has quietly put themselves together a nice little resume. And, oh, by the way, they weren't too bad last year. So I, uh, I think that's probably the team to watch with the Colorado kids. And anywhere, anywhere Nolan Arenado goes, I think, is going to be a major win. I understand that his home and away splits are two different stories, and he's got a little bit of the Colorado, the Coors Field advantage going in his favor. I just think this kid's a pure five-tool player. He's a hell of a third baseman. He's a hell of a hitter. Um, you know, you might not see the power, the power production that we've seen from him to start his career, but he's going to be a doubles machine. He's going to be an Anthony Rendon type player wherever he goes, so... I uh, keep that to me. That's the one to keep an eye on. I'm not. I'm not super sold on Frankie Lindor moving. I'm not super sold on Mookie Betts moving, though it's certainly possible. I think the uh, the name to watch is Nolan Arenado, and if that happens, that's going to be big time news. So we'll stay on that. All right, let's switch gears. The uh, NFL postseason is two days away here, yeah, about two and a half days away here when the Bills Texans take take flight. Um, like I said, we're running that fantasy contest right up until game time on Saturday. So you've got a couple of days to get your roster set. Shouldn't take you too long. It's only a 12 man roster and we'll get to that later in the show, but let's talk about the 12 teams that got themselves into the postseason. It's a very, it's, it's a big variety here. Okay. It's a, you've got big spenders, you've got little spenders. Um, and I think that reflects to some degree, the confidence people have. I just think that's a part of it. I mean, we, we live and breathe the NFL 12 months a year now. We're, a, we're part of the combine. We're part of the free agency and the draft. Uh, you know, we're not just casual onlookers. The, you know, the majority of fans are all in all year on these teams. You know who's 
been acquired. You, you know who's new. You know who's not working out. I don't really need to recap the free agents to know who's a bust and who worked out. I mean, you're, you know, everybody sort of swallows this stuff up week by week. So um, really, it's just a matter of who, who produced based on their spending. That's what we're talking about here. And you got to start at the top of the list. The 49ers had the highest cap spending in all of 2019, and they're the number one seed in the in the West. So you have to say that's worked, almost according to plan. I think the Garoppolo injury slow played this last year, obviously, and a lot of people had their doubts about Garoppolo heading into 2019. Uh, he certainly put those to bed, and the team as a whole has done that, and then some. I think Kyle Shanahan's your coach of the year. Uh, you know, Garoppolo could be your comeback player of the year if you want to look at it that way. Although I think Ryan Tannehill has something to say about that. But the, there's really nothing else to say about the 49ers other than they've spent, they've gone all in to some degree with, you know, they had 90 plus million of cap to spend. They spent a lot of it. They brought in Tevin Coleman. They brought in, you know, Emmanuel Sanders at some point. They shored up the uh, the back end of the defense. It's all worked out. It's just all worked out. And a lot of people could say that they're still a wide receiver away, to be honest. Um, and, and they've gotten absolutely zero production from Jarek McKinnon on a, on a sizable contract. So it hasn't been perfect, but um, a lot of what they're spending has worked out. And that's why they are where they are, and they're the favorites. I think they're the West favorites, the NFC favorites. So we'll see how that all hashes out. There's certainly three or four teams that could win the NFC, um, but they've spent the most and they are the one seed. And that's really all we can say about that right now. So switching gears a little bit, I think some of you might be surprised to know that the Tennessee Titans have the fourth most spending in 2019. Um, it's just not something I think we're expecting to see, but there are certainly more contracts to come in Tennessee, but for now, for this postseason, Tannehill's cheap. Derrick Henry's very cheap. A.J. Brown is very cheap, and this is sort of the uh, what they're rolling with. Their defense has been good enough, and they're going against the New England team that really can't score right now. So uh, I kind of love that we, they snuck up on us. Certainly Tannehill had a lot to do with you know, their turnaround in 2019, but they were, uh, financially speaking, they were all, kind of all in here. They had a, a ton of veteran contracts that – really haven't panned out for them. And it's been, like I said, it's been the young, the, uh, the, the younger, cheaper guys that have sort of pulled the load in 2019. Uh, they, uh, they, because of the expiring contracts they have, when you look at cap space, they're, you know, they're, they're 14th right now. They've got a lot of contracts to fill, a lot of positions to fill. But I think there's probably a franchise tag and a transition tag coming in February for this team. And they've got some draft picks to boot. I, this team could, if they push the right buttons, this team could really be something for two, three years if Tannehill continues to play like this. So, you know, do they get past New England? I say maybe. I don't think they go farther than that this year, but it's been a heck of a story, and this is a team to watch in the offseason because, like I said, they've got some some cap to burn. They could go out and get themselves, if they have to replace Derrick Henry, if they think that's something they want to do, there's going to be options available. I, I mean, your David Johnsons, I think, possibly your Le'Veon Bells and then cheaper options from there for sure. So the, the, they, they sort of have everything working for them right now because of the, this eight, nine, 10 game run they went on and they're set up financially as well, even though 2019 was a high spending year for them. Patriots were the sixth highest spending team in the NFL this year in terms of cap dollars. 
That's surprising. That's rare for them. We've talked about how a lot of things in 2019 have been a little bit different for the Patriots, including the product on the field. Uh, it just doesn't feel like their kind of season. So we'll see. I mean, they have proven us wrong ample times before. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. But there is just a, it's just a little bit different animal this year. That's all. And can't say, not here to say it's not going to work. It's just different. Um, certainly they spent more on their defense than they're accustomed to doing, uh, which for a lot of the year was, you know, their saving grace. We'll see if that's the case in the postseason, which often it is for teams, defense and running. If, and they did get that running game going last week against Miami in a loss, of course. But uh, if they can run the ball and stop and stop the other team from scoring, something they'll have to do against Tennessee for sure, um, they can be successful. So I'm not going to count them out, but they're certainly lower on my list right now, in ter- especially in terms of the spending. Uh, the Texans were eighth. They made a lot of acquisitions. They, uh, you know, they gave Hopkins a nice sizable contract. They've got contracts to spend, though. Look at <laughs> Sean Watson needs to get paid. Laramie Tunzel needs to get paid. Um, there's a few more players there. They're going to have to shore up the tight end position for sure. Uh, we'll see. This could be a very expensive team in the next two seasons. Um, And we'll see if that pans out on the field. I think they're probably planning to keep much of what they have in the fold. So we'll see. They're going to have to spend some money. That's a team to watch in the offseason as well from a spending standpoint. I don't think they're going to change too much up. uh, But we'll see what happens with them financially speaking. And then let's flip to the bottom of the list because I think the bottom of the list so we've talked about how Seattle and Baltimore spend right in the middle, and that I, that's the sweet spot for me. I don't need to ramp on that anymore. But the bottom of the spending list in terms of playoff teams, the Bills were 29th. The Eagles were 31st. There's probably minimal confidence in those teams, realistically. But the Chiefs were dead last in cap spending. They just didn't They didn't have flexibility. They haven't had flexibility for two years. They don't next year. They're going to have to make some some flat-out cap casualties to give themselves some space and restructure Tyreek Hill and a couple of things like that just to attempt to keep Chris Jones, you know, and attempt to bring in a couple some more defensive depth from there. Um, but they were dead last in, in cap spending, and that's going to su- su- surprise some people for sure. Mahomes is cheap. Tyreek Hill's cap hit is cheap. Uh, you know, they dumped all, much of their running backs. Their running backs are dirt cheap this year. Uh, Sammy Watkins is their big cap hit, and he, I believe he'll fall off next year. So uh, we'll see where this team is a year from now. But as, for, as of right now, this is a, a, a mild Super Bowl contender with the, with the lowest cap spending in all of football. So from my eyes, that's always something I'm looking at. I, I love to see the value. Not that they're not paying people, but you know they, they are spread out to the point of where no, not, no one player is really overspent right now outside of Sammy Watkins, who that was, a, that was an overpay from the second it was signed. And I can understand why they did it. It's worked to some degree. It's just past its prime. That's all. Uh, and it's going to fall off next year, like I said. Let's flip real quick to how these teams look in terms of cap space next year. And full disclosure, this... A lot of this has to do with the fact that they've got free agents that are expiring, right? Like the Bills have 43 players on the roster. They got to get to 90, right, for the offseason. So when you're looking at cap space, also look at, I'm not going to slot minimum salaries into the remaining, I'm not going to give the Bills 50 minimum salaries to try to project what their 90-man cap looks like. That's unrealistic. There's going to be plenty of reserve contracts signed soon, which will carry minimum salaries. 
we'll get the draft pools in as soon as the the uh, salary cap is is uh, set for 2020. We know it projects to about 199 right now. Uh, we'll get some tenders in, you know, franchise tags. Those kind of things will come. Uh, it's just it's unrealistic to pr- to project 45 minimum salaries for a lot of these teams to fill in the blanks right now. I'd rather just say, you know, this is where we are with cap space. Obviously, there's 50 contracts that have to be filled, you know, and to sort of round this out, look, (laughs) if there's anything that we've all learned in the last 10 years and teams, the teams themselves, the front offices themselves, you can find cap anywhere, right? Nobody's going over and staying. No one's no one's penalized for having too much cap. It just you can find it anywhere. You can restructure anybody at any time. Right, you can you can maneuver guys. There were there were players that were cut and released eleven times this year, and it's really just about nickel and diming. You know what I mean? Yes, it's about filling in you know the fifty three man roster and guys and and accounting for injuries, but it's also it's accounting. There's people that do this every day for every team, and understand uh, the ups and downs and the, and the couple of thousand dollars saved here and there by the, by roster movements. We see it in all the sports. I mean, in hockey dozens and dozens of players are up and down and up and down for a matter of two, $3,000 saved. It, it matters. There are plenty of hockey teams with less than a million dollars in space right now. It's just because they're, they're, they're balancing their budget that close to the threshold. Football doesn't have to do that. Okay. These, there are, there's more than half the league right now with more than 50 million of cap space for 2020. All right. And this, and the cap might rise even more than we're projecting. So not to mention there's cap casualties coming, there's trades coming, you know, there's going to be draft picks traded that will account for more cap space. All these things, there are tons of ways to maneuver cap space and get cap. Generally speaking for teams, it's more about cash. So I'm going to talk about cap a lot because it's what we do, but I'm going to try to talk about cash as much as we can too, because that's really more important to a lot of these teams. The bills have 90 million to work with in cap. That doesn't mean they want to spend $150 million of cash this offseason. They just don't have to do that, okay? And until the new CBA says otherwise, any fully guaranteed dollar included in a contract extension, if the Bills extend Tredavious White to an $80 million contract with $45 million fully guaranteed at signing, that fully $45 million has to go into an escrow account. Okay, Terry Pagula, the Bills owner, has to put it into an escrow account immediately. He's got to, it's got to lose, it's got to be taken from him at the time Tredavious White signs the contract. That's just how it works. Okay, we talked about that with Cleo Mack. That's one of the reasons the Oakland Raiders reportedly didn't want to do that. They didn't want to pen a $90 million guaranteed contract and, and shed that money immediately into escrow. So it, that's still a big part of it, all right? Guaranteed money, cash out, cash in, that's a big part of it. There's tons of cap available, okay? The Bills are fourth right now. The Texans are eighth. The Seahawks are ninth. There's a couple of really nice teams right there who are going to have some some maneuvering this offseason if they want to. Like I said, I think Houston's going to spend within. I think the Bills will do much the same, although there's a couple of pieces they'll probably look elsewhere for. Uh, Seattle's interesting because Seattle has Jadavian Clowney's contract to worry about. Uh, They need some weapons, Certainly. I mean, are they going to sign Chris Carson to a more long-term running back contract? I doubt it. Just knowing what we know about running backs and, you know, his up and down consistency. Uh, that's a team to watch. That might be a fun team to watch this offseason to see how they can maneuver. Uh, they, they love the trade. We'll see if they can poss- possibly bring in somebody 
a weapon for Russell Wilson to take some load off of his shoulders. Uh, but that's a team to watch. Ample cap space, a couple of big names to work with this offseason. That's a team to watch. And then let's flip down to the bottom. The Saints are 28th in cap space, and that's without Drew Brees, even though he holds a substantial amount of dead cap if he walks away. And the Vikings are dead last, all right? The Vikings have spent two years extending their own, loading up that cap. All right, they, uh, they have very little to work with right now. You're going to have to see if, if they like their current team. And we talked about it before. I've written an article about extension candidates on SpotTrack.com right now. Um, and my extension candidate for Minnesota is Kirk Cousins. If they think Kirk Cousins is their guy for the next two to three years, um, he'll be entering the final year of his guaranteed contract next year. You got to you got to rip that up. You got to restructure that into a new three or four year deal. Give yourself some cap relief in 2020 so that you can maneuver elsewhere, and then just lock him in for two to three more years. That's it. Nothing crazy. I don't think they hate Kirk Cousins. We know he we know what he's lacked in. Right. We know he hasn't finished the primetime games. We know he hasn't gotten them into the playoffs in a substantial way. So maybe that changes this year. Uh, but if they like him enough, they've got to change that contract and give themselves some relief. We'll see. They're a team to watch because of the lack of maneuvering they have right now. And if they don't get too far in this postseason, they may decide to move on from a couple of those pieces. So keep an eye on the Vikings as well. All right, two more quick things on the NFL before we bring in Scott Allen and talk uh, fantasy, postseason fantasy. One thing I like to do after the end of every regular season is assess how the highest average paid players at each position fared their teams, right? Obviously, Russell Wilson can't do everything for Seattle, but he is the highest average paid quarterback right now, and they did make the playoffs. That's not common, just so you know. We've done this a lot of years now. It's not common that the highest average paid quarterback gets himself into the postseason. Russell's done it sort of on his own. Um, He's done a lot of it, that's for sure. I mean, they've been injured. Uh, The wide receiver course certainly hasn't panned out as they hoped. They didn't have any kind of tight end help. Uh, Maybe, you know, more later with a Jacob Hollister kind of player versus anything they relied on coming into the season. So uh, big year for Russell. He was an MVP candidate for a lot of the season until Lamar really took things over. Uh, But good to see his contract panning out for Seattle. Uh, We had plenty of shows where we discussed otherwise, right? Trading him to the Giants, you know, letting him flat out walk and not extending him. Uh, Boy, what a different conversation that would have been. They got it done in grand fashion. He's still the highest average paid quarterback in the league. That's probably going to change in a couple of a couple of months. But for now, that has worked out. Clearly, he's been the guy. Can't say the same about Dallas and Zeke Elliott's contract. Uh, and I don't know what to say about that contract right now. Uh, I was an advocate for it. I thought the numbers looked good. I thought the the, the guaranteed structure on it looked good. Um, but to me, it was just supposed to be the precursor for keeping that core intact. That has not been the case. And now they are probably hours away from losing their head coach and restructuring a lot of things that, you know, I'll, uh, possibly restructuring their entire offensive scheme based on who comes in next. So uh, you've got an expiring quarterback contract, you've got an expiring wide receiver one contract, and you've got Zeke under contract guaranteed for the better part of two more years. So uh, it's really in limbo in Dallas right now. And it's another mar on the high paid running backs resume, unfortunately. Um, you know, Todd Gurley's contract is a mess, Le'Veon Bell's contract is a maybe. David Johnson's contract is a mess. Uh, Devontae Freeman could fall off this offseason. So 
it's not looking good for your top five paid running backs right now. That's for sure. Even though I think Zeke's a heck of a player. I think he deserved that contract. And I think Dallas did right by keeping him. I think, I, I, I'm not sure that you, they ran the offense enough through Zeke Elliott this, this, in 2019. And maybe that'll be a point of contention for the next head coach. We'll see. Uh, much of the same for Julio Jones, the highest paid wide receiver, 22 million a year, way above where everybody else is right now. Michael Thomas is under 20 million. I think Amari Cooper's sort of projecting somewhere around there in the 19 to 20 million mark. He might even drop down to 18 million for a, based on his injuries again this off this in 2019. Uh, we'll see. There's not too many wide receivers that I I, I think will get big contracts this off season. That was sort of last off season. Um, so we'll ha- we'll see what happens with Amari, and that's really about it right now. Tight ends is a different story, right? Jimmy Graham is still the highest average paid tight end. His Packers are in the playoffs, of course. Um, I don't think he had a ton to do with that. <laughs> he, was, he has certainly been a diminishing piece to the puzzle for a couple of years now, and he's been on my cap casualty list for a couple of years, including this upcoming year. So we'll see what happens there. I do think George Kittle, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry reset this market in, in the next couple of months. Uh, this has to be the, the tight end should be at 12 million at minimum. So we'll see if those guys can reach that threshold. Uh, offensive linemen. I think it's interesting right now that the highest average paid offensive lineman is a right tackle Lane Johnson for the Eagles, who of course is going to the playoffs barely, but they're going to be there. Um, he, he signed an $18 million per year extension, sort of uh, a fudged $18 million per year. There's a lot of option bonuses and a lot of moving parts with that contract if you want to take a look at that on SpotTrack. Um, but we, uh, I have to imagine this is going to get you know, mightily surpassed in the next couple of months here. Laramie Tunzel, like I said, left tackle for Houston is going to have to probably jump the $18 million threshold now. Brandon Scherf, the guard in Washington, if he doesn't get franchise tagged, probably walks into free agency as the best available offensive lineman on the market. So that's going to be a big, a big payday as well. Uh, and then we got a bunch of no's. The top average paid defensive lineman, Aaron Donald, the Rams didn't get in. Outside linebacker, Cleo Mack, the Bears didn't get in. Cornerback, Xavier Howard, the Dolphins obviously did not get in. And his contract status based on offseason conduct is up in question now as well. Uh, highest paid safety, Kevin Byard, Tennessee's in, as we talked about, and special teams, Justin Tucker. The Baltimore Ravens are very much alive in the postseason. So let's, let's kind of focus there because then what I did is I grouped this, right? Highest paid offense, highest paid defense, highest paid special teams core. All three made the playoffs. Very rare, by the way. This is very uncommon. We do this every year. The highest paid offense right now is the Packers, believe it or not. And they're in. The highest paid defense is the Vikings, and they're in. And the highest paid special teams, as they've been for a couple of years now, is the Baltimore Ravens, and they're in. Uh, there's no Patriots here. There's no Seahawks here. There's no 49ers here, which says something about how balanced the 49ers spending is right now. And that's good. That's I think we talked about that a couple of shows ago. How they're not they're up there in spending. They're the highest spending cap team in the league but they're not pushing it all into one element. Even Garoppolo at this point is a, is a value. He might be a guy looking for a new contract this offseason based on his production and how far for the 49ers could go here. So keep an eye on that too. But highest paid offense, highest paid defense, highest paid special teams core, all, all entering the postseason in a couple of days here. Uh, very rare, kind of nice to see. Means, uh, you know, a lot of things worked out well. I think I think from a Green Bay standpoint, while their offense is highly paid, their defense 
is what carried them kind of quietly through this season. Uh, they made a couple of really nice free agent signings in the middle of that defense that really panned out. And I think they had a couple of injuries that sort of kept them inconsistent. And they really kind of won a lot of close games in 2019, which I think has people less confident about them than maybe they should be. But this is a 13-win team, <laughs> all right? This is, a, this is an experienced team, not coach-wise, but Aaron Rodgers down. These guys know what they're doing, all right? I do not count out Green Bay in that NFC. Just don't. They are sneaky, right? They're sitting right there to take it all. Um, they're built well. Aaron Rodgers has been somewhat mediocre this year, and I think maybe it's on purpose. Truly, he's that kind of person who kind of says, I'm sick of getting hurt week three and then having to deal with this for 12 weeks and then you know limp, limp into the postseason and then there's nothing we can do about it. Um, I just kind of feel like he's been sitting there hovering at, at, at slightly above average, waiting to break out, and he's going to raise some hell in the postseason. Uh, that's just, for me, that's something to keep an eye on. Like I said in the last our last podcast episode, if I had to put physical American dollars on two teams – to, to go to the Super Bowl this year. It would be the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers. The odds are there for you. The quarterbacks are there for you. And in Green Bay's terms, the defense is there for you. And I know that's probably not something I would normally say with Kansas City or many of us would say with Kansas City, but like we've talked about, they've that defense has rounded into form. They're above average right now. Okay, they're above average. They are not giving up points. And in, in, in the playoffs, what, what matters more than that? So to me, those are the two teams. Uh, you know, regardless of how this all unfolds. Like I said, Kansas City, the least spending team in 2019 in terms of cap, 49ers, the first. We, that could be your Super Bowl matchup right there, number one and number 32 in spending. So let's have some fun with that. All right, we're going to take a break, bring in Scott Allen, and build our spot track NFL postseason fantasy roster. All right, welcome to the show, Scott. Generally, when we have you on, we're gonna, we talk NBA. Let's do that just for a few minutes here. Uh, we're sort of getting, or approaching the trade deadline. We're about a month away, February 6th, right? Right. February yeah. 6th. Um, I don't know, nothing crazy. I mean, we, I think people are probably talking Chris Paul still, but you and I have had some discussions that OKC may be thinking otherwise, right? Yeah, they've been playing really well. They're in the seventh seed, uh, for the playoffs as of right now. I mean, they're above 500. They've been playing really good ball. Uh, Gilgis Alexander looks phenomenal. Um, for the most part, he's been helping us in our fantasy league for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, 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 right now I don't foresee them wanting to, uh, buy in there, right? I don't think they're buying, but I don't think they're selling unless they get, uh, because they could certainly, deal. they could certainly give up a couple of those first round picks for a real player, right? Yeah, they could, but or they hold on to him and they just go with the flow and keep the veteran Paul on right. the roster. I, I mean, with how I think he's at what thirty eight million this year, yeah. that, that's approaching hard to forty move. next. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's hard to move. So I mean, you keep the veteran with the uh, the, the young kid, and you could build sort of like they did with the Westbrook, Durant, and Harden situation. Right. Start building through the draft, but you have those veteran players to help guide the, the the young kids as they bring them in. One more NBA question. The do the 76ers have to blow it up? Mm, six, that's a great question. Three, three losses in a row. They're the sixth seed. They had a terrible holiday season. 
I mean, they did. this is the time of year when you need to be shining, right? We're all look, we're all finally watching the NBA, and that was a that was a bad two weeks right there. And yeah, and I, I don't. Joel Embiid's inconsistency is not going away. Correct. Yeah, and the team as a whole. I mean, one night they're phenomenal, the next night they're atrocious and hard to watch. I mean, I'm looking at their standings right now. At home, they're 16 and two. When they go on the road, they're seven and 11. So they're horrible when they leave Philadelphia for one. Um, but I, I think something is going to have to happen. Um, I, right now, they do not look like the team that most people probably hope they would be in the top uh, three teams in the league. And um, it, it may be time to move on from somebody. Imagine being the owner right now and just having doled out $500 million worth of contracts. That's what they did yeah. this summer. Five hundred point right. one million dollars, and being the sixth seed in the East. Uh, why haven't they made a coaching change? I mean, this coach. I, I I personally believe this coach was the issue last year. Why haven't they done that? Because they're twenty three and thirteen. Possibly, if they were below five hundred, maybe he his leash would be even shorter. Um, I, going into the season from reputable uh reporters and uh they were saying that they were surprised that brown was still there so um clearly he can't light a fire under joel Embiid, and and that's the one that 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 has to happen somebody has to light that fire i mean (laughs) yeah he helped them with the process but it it may be time for uh, some players to move and or maybe it is a coaching situation where if you bring in the right coach that can get that fire lit and gel them a little more. Uh, maybe that's where they have to go. Yeah. Um, but you're right with them being um, 23 and 13 right now. Uh, it, maybe he has a little bit of longer leash than if they were. How about the fact that 23 and 13 is the sixth seed in the East? Yeah. Isn't it crazy? The East has really come on here. Holy cats. Um, all right. Yeah. I mean, you look, if you look at the Western, I mean the yeah. Western, the eighth seed is uh, only has 14 wins, but everyone is within uh, three wins all the way down to the 14th seed. Super wide open for that eighth seed right now. Um, but I mean, the Eastern, like you said, I mean, Brooklyn's at 500 with 16 wins, but you have five or six teams in there within four wins. And uh, it, it, it may make teams really question where they want to be in the next month. Do they want to be tanking or do they want to be buyers to try to get to that seventh or eighth seed to try to grow? And especially with the down free agency period that's coming up, like we've been talking about. So teams really have to look at themselves here in the next month and decide which way are they going to want to go? Let me ask you this total conspiracy theory, but it's just after the new year. And I've had a lot to drink this week. Is Kyrie Irving, just done with this year? Is he just waiting for, for Kevin Durant to be healthy? Maybe. I mean, he's, it just seems so awkward that he is not forcing himself back into this lineup. They're the seventh seed. Well, yeah. And what I the think, heck is going on? Yeah. I, 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 that's a great question. And maybe the conspiracy is let's just uh, and tank. I think we may have brought this up before, but let's not do very well right now. Get a, yeah, but they are though. That's my point. They're 500, right? They're, they're not tanking. 
but he's not playing, right? And and we hear nothing about him. It, it's one of those ghost injuries again. And, and to be mm-hmm. quite honest, the same is happening with Gordon Hayward, right? Is he just miserable that Kemba Walker's here? Has anybody thought about that? Like, this could have been Gordon Hayward's team this year. Right. With Kyrie going, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he's not finding the lineup again, right? He's just randomly out for a long period of time here. I, I understand he's got an injury history, but it just seems weird. And, and this is such a player-centric league now that that's where my mind goes immediately. This has got to be something with the player, right? Because <laughs> if it was a team issue, they would just trade the player. That's just how this league operates right now. You say Chris Paul's not tradable. I say Chris Paul's been traded twice already, right? True. I mean, anybody's tradable. Yeah. It can make it it work. Yeah, you're right. Anyone is tradable. They can do whatever they need to to get those matching salaries. And um, I mean, one of the rumors that I read earlier this week was, you know, possibly Carl Anthony Towns is on the block. Incredible. Um, Which the team that... I saw him possibly going to, which Minnesota, I'll sit, come out and say Minnesota said it's not happening. Yeah. But, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire, was Golden State. Um, they, they've they wanted a point guard for a while. They they liked Russell in the offseason. Yeah. And um, c- can you imagine if well, they let me ask you Russell this, Scott. for Towns? Let me, I mean, let me ask you this. Minnesota's 12-21. and 21, Golden State's 9-26. and 26. Uh, It makes no sense to do that deal in season, right? You don't. None of those teams want to get better right now, right? No. But, but if no. that, but if that's a personnel move that you make this off season after the Warriors have already locked in the number one, you know, spot or or the the most ping pong balls, I should say. Um, imagine that coming back. Mm-hmm. The number one pick, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Carl Anthony Towns. Right. Good Lord. It's not <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, so it but it, it'll like I said, it, it'll be interesting to see where teams project themselves right now with the landscape right. of Cause we're, uh, we're past trade deadline in a month. Turn here, right? I mean we're essentially I mean this is the real deal now. Right. And they only have a month here to make move. We've only had one trade so far. Yeah. And I mean, if you look, Minnesota's in the twelfth seed and they're only Four wins above Golden State, who's in the 15th seed right now. So in the there West, are two wins out of eighth, the eighth spot, <laughs> and two wins out of the eighth spot. So I mean, there is a ton of room. It's just going to depend on what the front offices decide. Do they want to buy? Do they want to sell? Mm-hmm. Do they want to just suck it up and uh, get it as high of a lottery pick as possible? Um, One last question as I'm looking cool. at these standings. We, we can't overlook this. Portland's lost five in a row. I understand yeah. Carmelo had 20-some points last night. Uh, that means nothing to me. It's time, right? It's time. It, to me, to, Portland, to and, Portland <laughs> and Philadelphia should be talking right now. To uh, good on paper franchises who have spent a ton of money. Portland spent the most. We talked about it last week. Um that just flat out aren't producing. And those two teams are in, they're in different conferences. They should be playing nice with each other right now. CJ McCollum in Philadelphia makes a million times sense. They need a shooter. (laughs) Every move Philly made completely abandoned the fact that they have to shoot the ball from the outside. CJ McCollum can do that. I I think that is a player that's got to be in Philadelphia in the next two weeks. Agree. 
Yes, but he, he, because he um, is he restricted. Yeah, he, he is restricted until January thirtieth. So all right, so four you got, weeks. Uh, you got, Bear with yeah, me. You, <laughs> four weeks, but you only have essentially what seven days to really come up with uh, a package to move oh, him. Oh, come on, Phil, Philadelphia it, it, can it, offer it, anybody. Yeah, I, and you know the, the the conversations will be happening before then. Yeah. But I, I I agree. I mean, they, at one point Portland was in the like thirteenth or fourteenth in the West, right. and now they're up to ninth. So they did have a spurt where they were winning um, until this these last five games. So they they did move themselves up. But man, they're I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is there as far as i mean it's early so we're, we're there's a but, bit of hyperbole here right it's early i mean it's it's physically not the halfway turn yet but uh, you know for a lot of teams like i mean philadelphia for sure they should be top three in the east sixth is an abomination so and, and portland's out of the playoffs right now with the highest spending team in all of basketball so how do you just you don't justify that you got to do something so to no, me, those are the two teams we look at right now, right? Right. But I will say, like you said, it, it is early. Yeah. They have moved up in the last month or two from being towards the, the dead bottom. So um, I think that's a team that I'm not going to panic too much with. Philly? Uh, no, Portland. Sorry. Really? I, I'm, I'm not going to no, worry too much about Portland. I think they turn around and they'll get into the playoff whether it's the eighth seed or, or higher. Um, I, I'm not going to uh, worry too much. They may make a move. I mean, they've they've had some injury issues with some players. Know, man. Uh, they just lost five in a row. In, in, this big, in this big holiday week, they just lost five in a row. That, to me, that's, that's damning. <laughs> that's really tough. It is. But like I said, they had a streak of – uh, before that, I'm looking here, they had five wins out of six games before then. So mm-hmm. they had been winning. They just had a, a, a spurt of bad losses. And I mean, that, but that, that's a team I'm not going to worry about too much right now. In the uh, beginning of the season, I was, but right now I think they, they may either make a move or something will happen where they can turn it around. Yeah. I'm voting for them to make a big move. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. All right, yep. let's flip the switch. Let's have some fun here. We, uh, we launched our NFL fantasy playoff contest. We've done this a few years now. Um, we just got done with our regular season contest, which we had, what, 300-some entries, I think, right? 350? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. r- really nice turnout for that, and we're expecting about the same for the playoff fantasy contest here, too. So, uh, like I said, get yourself to spotrite.com slash fantasy. It's a free registration. It's a 12-man roster. It won't take you too long to do, although it does require a little bit of thinking, so have a couple cups of coffee first. <laughs> um, and there's $250 on the line. Uh, first, second, and third place, all cash prizes. So uh, pretty fun little neat contest that we do. It uses the real salary caps. for from or Is it salary caps or average salary, Scott? Salary caps, right? Yeah. Salary caps. The actual salary cap hits from 2019 for each player. You pick one player from each playoff team, and that's across all six positions here. So... Like I said, you only get two quarterbacks. So that's really where you got to start. Let's start there, Scott. Who are going to be our two postseason quarterbacks? And we should be thinking about money as well. Not too hard with this one, right? Uh, I, I mean, I mean, let me ask you this. Do, do you look at it when, when you're building this roster? Do you look at the quarterbacks as these are the two Super Bowl quarterbacks? Is that what you do? Uh, 
I do. I try to figure out who's going to play at least two, maybe three, maybe four games. Right. The uh, bye weeks I mean, are a big part of this. Th- they are, because if you can pick potentially a, a, team, a wild card team who is in a wild card yeah. who can play all four uh, games, then th- that helps you a lot. The other thing that I try to sort of look at is which teams can I pick but are going to be players that are at one and one and one done. and done. Right. <laughs> your throwaway positions essentially. Right? right. Yep. So like maybe your tight end because there's not mm-hmm. kicker. I mean, there are some, there are some great tight ends, but maybe you want to spend it on your wide receivers or running back. So you don't want to take tight ends necessarily or kicker or, I mean, we know the playoffs, anything can happen with in the playoffs with, with defenses happening. So yep. which defense do you want to pick? So, I mean, it, it right now. I mean, well, let me I think. went you, last week. You picked two Kansas City, San Francisco. Is that who you picked? I did, okay. and I actually the the two quarterbacks. I went through and did this this morning just to see who I would pick. Okay, uh, ahead of this, and one I had from my picks. I, I picked Patrick Mahomes. Okay, and then my other quarterback was Drew Brees. Okay. So, uh, so you're changing your Super Bowl picks. <laughs> <laughs> well, n- not necessarily. I, I still think um, San Francisco has a slight leg up on New Orleans, but um, I-, I think when Breeze plays, he's going to get the points that would help me in this kind of sure. test. Plus, he's got a yeah, 22. And I should note that we, we do have the points per average points per game listed with the player when you build your roster so you won't be in the dark too much you can kind of see who has produced the most this year and i mean not that you don't know already you know we, we all ingest this stuff you know on a week-by-week basis but you're right breeze is probably going to give you uh, even though he's expensive right 22 million in cap um you know his likelihood of four touchdowns is probably higher than garoppolo's right yeah and uh, garoppolo is a fantasy Entity is not yep. the greatest. I, the I mean, I, I I had him in my team this year, um, and he, he was here, just there. Here we go. Here it, comes it, the sob story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being in the bottom again. But I mean, he was just there. I had he Antonio Brown, so I win that battle. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that I looked at was taking a low cap hit quarterback and. A, a higher cap hit quarterback to get me to that salary floor. I was going to say, let's talk about this because this is something that comes up with uh, on Twitter a lot when we when we when we talk about this contest. Um, one of the things we've added the last couple of years is you've got you've got to spend at least fifty million. And the reason we did this is kind of obvious. Um, it was pretty easy to log in and just click all the rookies at every position. Right. <laughs> um, and you, we were having rosters submitted with like nine million in cap, which that's incredible. And it's certainly, you know, possible, but we've made it not possible now. So you've got to spend at least $50, $50 million when you walk in the door. So to Scott's point, if you're going to spend cap somewhere, uh, a high cap quarterback probably makes sense. Yeah. All right. So Patrick, I'll just, I'll just follow you. I'm going to follow your roster here. It's just easier if we do that. So we're going to go Mahomes and Breeze. Okay. So, so we take Michael Thomas off the board. And right. El- Elvin Kamara off the board. So we can we have we can no longer and, select the Saints here. Yeah, and Kelsey's off. And Kelsey's Tyra off. Hill. Okay, all right, all right. I'll stick with Mahomes here. I, I you know me. Um, I just said a couple of minutes ago on this show. I, if I had to put money on on two teams 
in the Super Bowl, it would be the Chiefs and the Packers. So I, I like this. Uh, let's flip the running backs here. Oh, by the way, um, you can create this roster on your mobile device. We, we've got it set up for that, but it's a lot easier to do it on your computer. So if you're sitting at work right now and you want to kill 11 minutes, uh, bring it up on your computer. It's just a, a nicer interactivity to do it on your computer um, just to get that out there. All right, who, who are we taking a running back, Scott? So I actually went cheap on running backs here. I've got Derrick Henry. I like it. Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones. Yeah, mine as well. Mine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably consider a wide receiver from, from Minnesota, but they're both banged up. I mean, yeah, you know, I up, actually Diggs is banged up. Kyle Rudolph's I actually been okay. originally, I, I originally had uh, Diggs as a wide receiver, yeah. but then I I changed my mind because I was like, Cook has been phenomenal. Well, I'll uh, say this too, Scott. And, to that point, what I've read is that they've literally kept Cook out these past couple of weeks just to prepare him for this this postseason. So he should be a hundred percent. And I, if I have to guess, they're going to run it through him quite a lot. So I like this pick a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, and I went with Jones because, um, I mean, that yeah, doesn't, doesn't I, need I, an explanation. They've run the entire yeah. offense through him. <laughs> right. He's going to catch not, the ball. Heck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I like it. All right. Wide receivers. You spent a little money on the wide receivers because we're only at 31 million right now. Yeah, I did. Um, I went with DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. I don't know. A couple of Buffalo fans here picking. Hopkins. Yeah, I, I know. All right. Um, I went with Julian Edelman. Okay. And DK Metcalf. I like that. I like that. So I, I, I've got high, middle, and low salaries on the wide receiver here. Sure. Um, it, it'll be interesting looking at my roster here. Um, I'm going to jump to defense. I actually picked the Buffalo Bills. So going against Hopkins, um, I may negate myself. Okay. Um, but obviously you have to pick a defensive team. But uh, it came down between – uh, the Bills and the Patriots. I went with the Bills because um, the the Patriots they uh, their defense hasn't been as stellar, I don't think, as they did in the beginning of the season. Yep. And the Bills have sort of come on here at the end of the season, so I, I opted to go with the Bills defense and hoping that they can shut down Houston. Scott, explain uh, explain how the defensive cap numbers are built. Yeah, we just take an average of all of all uh, defense. Uh, it's just an average of their starting lineup, I believe, yep. or all the active. And we just take an average of all that. And so the caps end up being between uh, Minnesota's at almost 10 and a half, all the way down to Kansas City's at. Five point seven million. Mm-hmm. So you, you've got a nice little range there. Okay. Tight ends. Uh, tight ends. I went with Zach Ertz. Okay. And Mark Andrews. Is Ertz going to so play? I went with. Uh, I hope so. I'm a little worried about <laughs> Ertz playing. I, I went with him because I, if he does play, I trust him more to get the ball than some of the other wide receivers on there. Can I recommend and, we go with Dallas Goddard instead? His backup. It's yeah, cheaper. that's. A, I'm a little worried Ertz isn't going to play. Yeah, that's a great point. The, the thing is, if for some reason uh, Philly may not win, but if for some reason they do win, then and, and Ertz does play, then at least I've you've got that target. Can, can I make a so. better recommendation? Sure. You pick the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl, and you were about to pick for the 49ers kicker. 
I did. So we should change Dallas Goddard to George Kittle. Ah, and just not be morons. That that <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's a great. Let's point. do that because that's just smart. Uh, which leaves Jake Elliott, the Philadelphia kicker, which. I think if we had to pick a, a, a bottom team in this postseason, it would be Philadelphia, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, that, that's a great point. I kind of went with the kicker with who I did because it, he's been great. There's no question. He, well, he's but been we, great, but I think 49, the 49ers are in for a run here. So, but it, it, some of these games in the playoffs come down to the kicker, and some sure. of them are kicking games. So I, I sort of went with Gold because you know. If for some reason he, they make it to the Super Bowl, it comes down to a uh, 45, 50 yard kick, and you get those points. Obviously, it's a, a long playoffs, but well, we um, should also say this because this might be a mistake we're making. 49ers have the bye, the Eagles don't. So, you know, when you're building your roster, you might want to be playing a, a, a weapon Eagles player because there's a possibility they have more games than anybody. You know what I mean? True. So right now we've got a kicker, a wild card kicker in that spot. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep it there. I think that's a safe bet. But let's run through this real quick. Mahomes and Breeze, Derek Henry, Aaron Jones, Delvin Cook, DeAndre Hopkins, Julian Edelman, DK Metcalf, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, the Bills defense, and Jake Elliott, which combined for $63 million of cap. So we're over the floor. Uh you know, we're not super close to it. I'm sure we're, there's plenty of players out there who have rosters right at about 52, 53 million. Um, and good for them. The closer you get to the cap, the most points you get, that's going to be the win here, right? That's how this works. Right. That's how this value scoring works that we put together here. I like where we are, about 13 million over the floor. Uh, pretty good, solid team. I like our two quarterbacks. All right. Yeah, yeah I, like the, I like that flip. That actually dropped me 9 million from my original. So that was... yeah. Uh, uh, good recommendations there. Just uh, so everybody out there knows, we're not actually going to submit this and be part of the contest. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> we're not skeevy. Uh, all right, this was fun. Hopefully, many of you out there jump on here, spotrate.com slash fantasy. Create your own team. It's totally free. Takes about 10, 11 minutes, as you just saw. And uh, good luck to all you out there. Good luck to the NFL playoff teams. I broke down a lot of their spending. We'll see what happens with Major League Baseball. I think, like I said, two or three probably notable signings still to come, which should push us well past the $1.8 billion mark. And then, like I said, I think we're in baseball trade season and entering NBA trade season. So, yeah, and lots of movement. One other, one other uh, news note information is January 7th is the last day to waive non-guaranteed players in the NBA. Um, those non-guaranteed salaries are fully guaranteed starting on January 10th. So that's something to keep an eye out as well. And RIP David Stern certainly, yes. uh, certainly changed the, uh, the course of the NBA and really pushed the gamut for the other leagues to really do the same too. So, uh, you know, sad story there, but, uh, the NBA is certainly a better place for that. All right. Yeah, I'll throw a plug, I'll throw a plug in there. Some great articles. If you haven't seen on the athletics, just about to say the same. Yeah. Make sure you hop over there. They are breaking down NFL playoff uh, information just like we did here. Plenty of NBA trade rumors and MLB trade rumors on The Athletic this, this morning. I, I clicked all around uh, all the various aspects of it as well uh, and tons of good David Stern content as well. Today's episode is brought to you by The Athletic, their subscription-based news site, and you can get 40% off that subscription to start your 2020 at theathletic.com slash spottrack 40 off, S-P-O-T-R-A-C 40 off. Thanks to Scott Allen from Mike Gennetti. 
Thanks for listening to another edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.